Well, good morning, Orchard. And good morning to all of you watching online, wherever you may be. And we know that a few of you, at least, are watching from Pakistan. And our prayers are with you. Over a thousand people were killed in the last 24 hours because of the torrential rains and flooding. And so our prayers and our thoughts go out for you as well. Have you ever done something in your life that you later regretted? Has that ever happened to any of you? Maybe just to me. I'm not sure. But, but have you something that, that, that seemed like such a great idea at the time, but afterwards, ay, 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 ay. Well, uh, I certainly have more than once. I'll just share one, one example with you this morning. When I was in eighth grade, my school was having a skate night at the local roller rink. Now, you young people don't know about this, but back in the old days, when I was in eighth grade, dinosaurs roamed the, ru- ro- roamed the world, and, and there were roller skating rinks that people went and skated around inside. And, and some of the boys were inviting girls to join them. Well, I didn't think that any girl would ever want to go roller skating with me for a lot of reasons, not the least of which, and it's hard to imagine, I know, but I didn't always have the massive muscles that I have now. In eighth grade, I was so skinny that the guys would say, hey, Corson, you've got to run around in the shower to get wet. Or, of course, and stick out your tongue and you'll look like a zipper. You know, it's just, and, and to make matters worse, the, the, it, back in those old days, the boy's hairstyle was a ducktail in the back, and, and it was held in place by a whole bunch of hair grease with a bunch of hair falling down the front of the forehead. Really cool style. But, but, but uh, I had a close cropped buzz job called a butch haircut, and no ducktail on the back, no falling hair in the front, and no grease anywhere. And now, back then, in these old days, the cool guys, or so I thought, they had rolled up in the sleeve of their muscle shirts a pack of cigarettes. Oh, that was so cool. The closest thing that I had to a muscle shirt was a baggy old undershirt that was two sizes too large, and my skinny arms just dangled out like wet noodles. But, 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 but I didn't give up. I was determined, determined to invite the girl that I had my eye on since the start of eighth grade to go roller skating with me. So, so I came up with a brilliant plan like eighth graders can do. Since I didn't have any hair grease, I, I, I went to my parents' bathroom and got Vaseline, and very carefully, I piled generous piles of Vaseline on top of my skinhead in strategically placed mounds. And, and since no one in my home smoked, no, no cigarettes at all, I found a box of chalk, blackboard chalk, and I rolled it up in the sleeve of my baggy undershirt, and that made my noodle arms look even skinnier, but I didn't care because now, like James Dean, I was cool. I was cool, 
and I looked cool, and so I sauntered up to Linda, that was her name, with my hands in my pockets, shuffling as I went, trying to be as cool as possible, and just then, another brilliant eighth grader idea. It struck me right then. Back then in those days, you women wouldn't understand, but back then, long time ago in those days, at least I thought that tough guys knew how to spit just right. And so I just right after I called out her name, I, 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 I worked up a big juicy one and, and I let it fly. But it didn't fly. It drooled down my chin and down my undershirt, and there it sat. Well, the girl of my dreams just stared at me in disbelief, and then she started laughing. Well, needless to say, I didn't go roller skating that weekend or that year. Ay, 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 ay. Well, today, we're going to look. We're going to look at a man in the Bible who came up with a plan that he thought was absolutely brilliant later to discover that it was utterly ridiculous, utterly foolish. And we're going to learn today about a woman who saved this man from his utter ridiculous and foolish plan and in the course altered history. The story is told in 1 Samuel chapter 25. So grab your Bibles, if you have a Bible, and turn with me to 1 Samuel in the Old Testament, just before 2 Samuel, chapter 25, and we'll begin in verse 2. 1 Samuel 25, verse 2. The Bible says, there was a wealthy man from Maon who owned property near the town of Carmel. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and it was sheep shearing time. This man's name was Nabal, and his wife, Abigail, was a sensible and beautiful woman. But Nabal, a descendant of Caleb, was crude and mean in all his dealings. Now let's pause there just for a moment. You Bible scholars know that Maon is just west of the Dead Sea, about eight miles south of Hebron. And this is where Abigail's husband, Nabal was his name, grazed his huge flocks of sheep and goats. Even today, this is sheep and goat country. We were in Israel a few months ago, and we drove right past there, and sure enough, all these sheep and all these goats. The Bible says Nabal owned 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats, and he had a reputation of living large, and he let everybody know it. But his name, do you know what your name means? His name means fool. And we're going to see how he lived up to his name. Now, Abigail, his wife, she was just the opposite. She was tender. She, she was gracious. She was humble. And, and she was wise. And on top of that, she was incredibly beautiful. I've just described my wife, Robin. Robin, stand up. No, she didn't stand up. <laughs> but just like my wife, Robin. Her name, her name means joy of the Father. 
and she brought her family much joy. And we're going to see in our study this morning that Abigail is a picture of God's wonderful plan for us. Her story continues in verse 4. So let's pick it up. Verse 4. When David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, he sent ten of his young men to Carmel with this message for Nabal. Peace and prosperity to you, your family, and everything you own. I am told that it is sheep shearing time. While your shepherds stayed amongst us near Carmel, we never harmed them, and nothing was ever stolen from them. Ask your own men, and they will tell you this is true. So would you be kind to us since we have come at a time of celebration? Please share any provisions you might have on hand with us and with your friend David. Verse 9, David's young men gave this message to Nabal in David's name, and they waited for a reply. Now, in those days, this was very common, very customary for the owners of large herds of livestock to pay the men who had been protecting the livestock, protecting the flocks, protecting the shepherds, from the bandits and from the many wrestlers in the area. It was much like we would give a gratuity to those that serve us above and beyond. And that's exactly what David and his men had been doing. So David sent 10 of his men, as we just read, to remind Nabal that they'd been faithfully, diligently protecting Nabal's flocks and shepherds. David wasn't asking for a handout. I want to make that clear. Even though, even though Nabal's huge financial success was due to David's vigilance and his men protecting the flocks and protecting shepherds 24-7. So how did Nabal respond? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 10. The Bible says in verse 10, Who is this fellow David? Nabal sneered to the young men. Who does this son of Jesse think he is? There are lots of servants these days who run away from their masters. Should I take my bread and my water and my meat that I've slaughtered for my shearers and give it to a band of outlaws who come from who knows where? So David's young men returned and told him what Nabal had said. In other words, Nabal sneered at these ten men, and he said, just who do you think you are? You're nothing more than a band of common outlaws. No way. No way am I going to pay you. So David's men got back on their camels and returned to their leader. And when they got back, they told David what Nabal had said. So, how did, how did David, how did he respond? Well, let's take a look. 1 Samuel 25, verse 13. The first words out of his mouth. Get your swords. Get your swords, was David's reply as he strapped on his own. Then 400 men 
started off with David and 200 remained behind to guard the equipment. Now, do you Bible students, do you remember how David had shown incredible wisdom and incredible restraint just before this incident? Those of you that went to Israel with us a few months ago remembered David didn't, he didn't lop off Saul's head in the caves and in Gedi when he certainly could have done so. So why? Why? Why did David become so upset over the seemingly minor thing, over Nabal's foolishness in a much smaller matter? Well, <laughs> I'm glad you asked. You see, when we experience victories over big temptations, we're very vulnerable to smaller temptations. It's usually not the big battles that get us, but, but it's the little problems that pull us down. David's son, Solomon, you know, the author of the Song of Solomon, wrote in chapter 2, verse 15, it's the little foxes that destroy. So David reacted impulsively, and he said, grab your swords, boys. We're going to teach this fool a lesson that he will never forget. So oft they charged. David, along with 400 of his men, all carrying their swords and a cloud of dust riding on their camels or horses or whatever, but the plot thickens. Let's take a look at what the Bible says in verse 14. Verse 14, the Bible says, Meanwhile, one of Nabal's servants went to Abigail and told her, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master. But he screamed insults at them. These men have been very good to us, and we never suffered any harm from them. Nothing was stolen from us the whole time they were there with us. In fact, day and night, they were like a wall of protection to us and the sheep. You need to know this and figure out what to do, for there's going to be trouble for our master and his whole family. He is so ill-tempered that no one can even talk to him. The Bible says in verse 18, Abigail wasted no time. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 fig cakes. She packed them on donkeys and said to her servants, go on ahead. I will follow you shortly. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal what she was doing. The Bible says when Abigail heard that 400 of David's men along with David were on their way to lop off the head of her foolish husband, she could have said, well, well, 
the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. She could have done that, but, but she didn't. The Bible says this woman went out of her way to intercede on her foolish husband's behalf. Abigail went to work. And the Bible says she worked hard. And she worked fast. Can, can you just picture her? Down there by the Dead Sea, it is hot. It's desert. The sweat pouring down her brow. Can you picture her slaving over that clay oven, baking 200 loaves of fresh, warm bread, and barbecuing in the sun five whole sheep? Can you picture her roasting 30 liters of grain and baking 100 sweet raisin cakes? And then, to top it off, 200 delicious fig cakes for dessert. What a meal. What a woman. What a servant. And if that wasn't enough to protect Nabal from his own stupidity, Abigail wiped the sweat off her brow, hopped on her donkey to head David off at the pass. So she had to do this quickly. Well, the story continues. It continues in 1 Samuel 25, verse 20. Let's read what the Bible says in verse 20. As she was riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, she saw David and his men coming toward her. Verse 21. David had just been saying a lot of good it did to help this fellow. We protected his flocks in the wilderness, and nothing he owned was lost or stolen. But he has repaid me evil for good. May God strike me and kill me, if even one man of his household is still alive tomorrow morning. Verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed low before him. She fell at his feet and said, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Please listen to what I have to say. I know Nabal is a wicked and ill-tempered man. Please don't pay any attention to him. He is a fool, just as his name suggests. But I never saw, I never even saw the young men you sent. Verse 26. Now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, since the Lord has kept you from murdering and taking vengeance into your own hands, let all your enemies and those who try to harm you be as cursed as Nabal is. And here's a present that I, your servant, have brought to you and your young men. Wow. Wow. The Bible says that Abigail caught up with David, then jumped off her donkey, fell at David's feet, and then pled for the life of her foolish husband. In fact, in fact, Abigail went so far as to say, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take the punishment. Punish me 
for my husband's foolish actions. This food, this food that I prepared, this food is for you and your men to enjoy. What an incredibly unselfish woman. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of our Lord. The Bible says Abigail continued to plead on behalf of Nabal. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, beginning in verse 28, Abigail said, Please forgive me if I have offended you in any way. The Lord will surely reward you with a lasting dynasty, for you are fighting the Lord's battles. And you have not done wrong throughout your entire life, even when you are chased by those who seek to kill you. Your life is safe in the care of the Lord your God. Secure in his treasure pouch. But the lives of your enemies will disappear like stones shot from a sling. Verse 30. When the Lord has done all he promised and has made you leader of Israel, don't let this be a blemish on your record. Then your conscience, conscience won't have to bear the staggering burden of needless bloodshed and vengeance. And when the Lord has done these great things for you, please remember me, your servant. Wow, what a woman. The Bible says Abigail pleads with David, Oh, David, oh, David, you have a great future. Don't do anything today that you'll regret tomorrow. And then in verse 39, Abigail makes a reference to David's victory over Goliath. Did you catch it? Did you catch it there? As well as knowing David's destiny, she also knew David's history. What wisdom. What a woman. What a wife. Oh, David's blown away. Blown away by this woman. Well, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 25, verse 32, verse 32, David replied to Abigail, Oh, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to meet me today. Thank God for your good sense. Bless you for keeping me from murder and from carrying out vengeance with my own hands. Verse 14. David continues speaking. For I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, who has kept me from hurting you, that if you had not hurried out to meet me, not one of Nabal's men would still be alive tomorrow morning. Verse 35. Then David accepted her present and told her, Return home in peace. I have heard what you said. We will not kill your husband. 
like Deborah before her, like Esther after her. Abigail altered the course of history simply by being obedient to the Lord. So what was the result of her obedience? Well, we just read it. David thanked God for her good sense. Her obedience kept him from committing murder. Husbands, thank God for your wives. Thank him and thank them too. Thank him for your wives. Listen to what they are saying because it very well may be a message from the Lord to you for your own good. Well, the Bible says that Abigail went to her husband Nabal and tried to reason with him, but, 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 but did he listen to her? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Verse 36. The Bible says in verse 36, when Abigail arrived home, she found that Nabal was throwing a big party and was celebrating like a king. He was very drunk. So she didn't tell him anything about her meeting with David until dawn the next day. Verse 37. In the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him what had happened. As a result, he had a stroke, and he lay paralyzed on his bed like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. Nabal may have been powerful. He may have been rich, but, but he was utterly clueless about life. He was about to lose it all, and he didn't even know it. So the next morning, the Bible tells us, after he sobered up, Abigail told him what she'd done. She knew that in his drunken state, he wouldn't understand anything, she said. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. Just like Abigail. We need to ask God for wisdom to know the best time to confront others with the truth. And we are to speak the truth in love. When Nabal finally realized how close he'd come to losing his head, it was too late. It was too late. He had sown to the wind, and now he was about to reap the whirlwind, and sure enough, Nabal suffered a fatal stroke. So let's look at verse 39. The Bible says in verse 39, when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise the Lord, who has avenged the insult I received from Nabal and has kept me from doing it myself. Nabal has received the punishment for his sin. Then David sent messengers to Abigail to ask her to become his wife. When David saw, when he saw with his eyes Abigail's humility, and when he heard with his ears her wisdom, he asked her to be his wife. So, did she? Did she accept his proposal? Let's read what the Bible says in verse 40. 
The Bible says in verse 40, when the messengers arrived at Carmel, they told Abigail, David has sent us to take you back to marry him. She bowed low to the ground and responded, I, your servant, would be happy to marry David. I would even be willing to become a slave, washing the feet of his servants. Verse 42, quickly getting ready, she took along five of her servant girls as attendants, mounted her donkey, and went with David's messengers. And so she became his wife. May this study today be an encouragement to any of you who may be married to Nabal's. <laughs> to, to those of you who may be saying, I can't believe I'm stuck with him or with her. How can I get out of this mess? Dear Orchard family, regardless of whether or not your spouse is the person he or she is supposed to be, be an Abigail. Be an Abigail. Even though her husband was a fool, she stood up for him. She took responsibility for him. And she tried to do everything she could do to protect him. And here it is. Here is the profound truth of this story, of this lesson, of this truth. Had she not done so, she never would have been the bride of the king. So, there are seven key lessons we learned this morning from the life of Abigail. Number one. Abigail was wise as well as beautiful. We too have been given wisdom. Wisdom from the word of God. And there are a lot of books, but there is only one word of God. And you have it available to you anytime you want to open up the pages and read. Wisdom from the word of God. And we are also robed in the beauty of his holiness. We're holy in his sight. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. It's not what I've done or what I haven't done. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. We are robed in his beauty. Number two, Abigail was yoked to foolish Nabal. We too are also yoked to foolishness of our sin and of our flesh, Abigail was stuck with the fool and uh, we're stuck with ourselves. Number three, Abigail was barren until she met the king. She had no children with Nabal, but, 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 but she did have a son with David. Likewise, we too, are barren of any spiritual fruit without our Lord, we'll never have any spiritual fruit in our life. It's not up to us to do or not to do, produce or not to produce. It's His Spirit indwelling in us and working through us in spite of ourselves. The Bible says, Abiding with the King of Kings, bring forth 
much good fruit. Number four, Abigail heard the warning of coming judgment. We're also told that judgment day is coming. In fact, our Lord taught more about hell than he did about heaven. Number five, Abigail humbled herself before King David. Unless we humble ourselves before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, our fate is sealed. The Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Number six, Abigail sought forgiveness. We too need to forgive as well as being forgiven. And only our Lord can accomplish that. Number seven, Abigail's request was granted. The incredible truth of salvation is not that we have accepted the Lord. That's, that's a no-brainer. Everybody should accept the free gift of salvation and confess that before men. So Jesus will confess us before his Father in heaven. It's an incredible gift. The fact of the matter, the incredible truth of the matter, is not that we've accepted the Lord, but that the Lord has accepted us. I'm a fool. I am an utter fool. But he still has accepted me. And he's forgiven me. And he's given me the power through his Holy Spirit, to forgive others. And soon, a king greater than David is going to take us home where we will be free once and for all of the navels of this world. Where we'll be the bride of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. How do I know? The Bible tells me so. You know, too many think, too many people think that they must first clean up their act before they ask Jesus into their heart. No, no, a thousand times no. Just the opposite is true. First, he comes into our lives. Then he cleanses our lives. So this morning, take the bread, take the cup as we worship in communion. Because this we do in remembrance of him, what he has done for us.